In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. The Cleveland Browns are practicing in the stadium, and I'm here with Jack Duffin and Ian Wright, right, right. Jack, it used to be the Paul Brown Show, now it's the Jack Duffin Podcast. Mate, I was on a date yesterday, I came home to put some music on, and your head was a thumbnail for a YouTube clip. I was like, oh my God, what has Jack Duffin done now? I, so, I hope that didn't ruin your evening. It, it did actually, mate, yeah, so uh, thank you very much for that. Um, Ian, you're driving at the moment. Driving anywhere nice? No, just bouncing around the wonderful northern Chicago. You know, when it comes, when Paul Brown says, hey, guys, I'm available for a podcast, we cannot let the people down. We drop what we're doing. We call our bosses. We say, boss, I need 30 minutes. I got to record with the man himself. That That's not true, but I have been trying to get this podcast going for the last 24 hours. But... Jack's like, we need to get the facts correct. And I'm like, no, let's just go. Let's go. And Jack's like, no. I've got 10,000 press appearances to do tonight. Um, But anyway, the 53. Jack, do you want to go through um, the 53? Yeah, so some rooms don't really need touching on. Quarterback, it is what it is. We've got the two guys. We'll touch on practice squad. Or should we do that all now? Do we do practice squad in with this or...? Separate out. Just do, yeah, we'll do active roster and then practice squad so we don't have to come back and talk about, you know, the XL MVP, PJ Walker. Yeah. So I think the Browns are in a, a really nice spot. They had two quarterbacks. They moved on from Dobbs and they bring in PJ Walker. Quite frankly, I'm shocked we live in a world where PJ Walker is on a practice squad and Nate Peterman is on a 53. I cannot work that out, but I'm happy he's on the Browns practice squad. Guys, I've done a bit of sorry, sorry, and I've done a bit of research on this guy. His stats aren't great. I know he beat out Baker Mayfield, but are you really that excited about him? If he's playing, we're screwed, and that's just life of a third quarterback. But he is more talented than I would expect for a practice squad quarterback. He's not. He's never going to be playing for the Browns. DTR is the backup, but. Hey, it's useful in practice. I'd rather the scout team are providing someone who can actually throw a ball rather than uh, Kellen Mond. Yeah, I think PJ Walker is a nice guy that can come in. He can mimic a lot of the things DTR can do, right? He's that mobile quarterback. You know, we saw him with the Panthers. He's got a decent arm. He's serviceable, right? You you ultimately want your third quarterback to make your second string defenses better, right? That's that's what they're doing. They're in practice. They're trying to, you know, push the envelope. In this case, he's mobile, so you can use him in a lot of those sets. If you're going up against, say, a Jalen Hurts or, you know, one of these mobile quarterbacks, having a guy like P.J. Walker helps because then you don't have to worry about, you know, Deshaun Watson suffering the fate of somebody like Joe Burrow with his calf strain in Cincinnati. Yeah, so I, th- I think that's it. We can just put the QBs to bed there, and we'll get onto the running backs – 
We've got three on the roster, which is definitely a change from previous years. We've got Chubb, we've got Ford, and we've got uh, Strong, who we traded for. Effectively, just a uh, an upgrade on Dramatric Felton. There might be some more potential there, but we haven't seen it yet. And just on the practice squad, a surprise, there's only one, which is le- every year that we had, if you had the roster and practice squad together, we've gone from seven to six to five to four. Um, so I'm expecting at least another player to be signed, maybe not on 53, but on the practice squad. I don't see us going into the season without another body around somewhere in terms of the running back room. And it's Hassan Hall, who's not particularly good on the practice squad. I think Strong is that guy that he does a lot of similar things that Felton did, right? So that's why I think when they went out and made the trade, it was like, okay, this isn't one where they're going to run both Felton and Strong. So I think the idea there was you want to have that third down back. If I'm not mistaken, I think they're pretty similar in speed. My guess is Pierre Strong gives them a little bit more in kind of the pass production game, stuff like that. Insane speed. Pierre Strong is like one of the fastest yeah. guys on the roster. Yeah, four, four, three, something like that. I thought John but, was a better running back than Hall. I I think we could see somebody like John Kelly signed to the practice squad. It could be Wilkins. They could be eyeing someone better. Um, even Melvin Gordon has signed on the Ravens practice squad. And I'm not saying Melvin Gordon's some phenomenal player, but he's a serviceable running back. It was only a few years ago he was getting paid like six million a year to play, and now he's on a practice squad. So. I think it will shake out that they can find somebody. Jack, do you think it has to do with the fact that Kelly has accrued more than two seasons? Could certainly be a factor because if you've got... They probably might not have had enough room. Um, Yeah. Because Paul's right. Hassan Hall doesn't bring as much, but John Kelly's been around. I think he's been on our practice squad alone for two years. So he may have gone into a different bucket than Hassan Hall, who's a rookie. Hence why they're like, We'd rather use one of the 10 spots on Hall than one of the six spots on Kelly. Yeah, and Hall had a hundred grand of guarantee. So it's one where he's effectively, they've already paid him for 10 weeks of being on the practice squad. So you can stick him on the practice squad. It's not costing you anything. Otherwise, you're paying that 100,000 plus. Um, so if he's just a body, it's an option. And that might mean that he's gone off 10 weeks once he's uh, accrued the money they'd already given him. Jack. Another name that's not on our practice squad. We've cut AJ Green. Why is he not on our practice squad? He could... we'll wait till we get to the corners with him. Let's stay in the yeah. offense. He, we'll get to he... AJ Green because we're not talking about AJ Green, the wide receiver who's going to be going into it sounds like the Bengals Hall of Fame against the Ravens. No, I'm so... talking about the undrafted free agent who is a legend at Cleveland. Sorry. We'll, we'll well, get speaking of we undrafted free agents, Austin Watkins. Man, Brown's Twitter. I think, Jack, do you think Austin Watkins was willed to the Browns practice squad because of Browns Twitter? So there was offers basically from the majority of the league for him to sign to the practice squad and he decided to stay in Cleveland, which makes sense. At the end of the day, you've had some success. You may as well continue that and try and restart. Um, But let's see what he's got. He needs to learn to play special teams if he wants to have a role in the NFL. That is his only future um, he's probably never going to be a top three, but he could be a, a fifth and sixth on depth chart. But if you can't play special teams, you can't get one of those roster spots. Now, Jack, the wide receiver room was interesting because we knew four guys going in. We knew Cooper, we knew Elijah Moore, DPJ, and Tillman. Then on cut down day, 
we hear that Marquise Goodwin, his medical treatment is over. So realistically, Jack, five of these receiver spots going into the cuts were already decided, meaning there was only one spot. I mean, I know there's a lot of people talking about seven wideouts, but that just wasn't really realistic in terms of what the roster breakdown was going to give you. David Bell makes that sixth spot. I was not shocked, but it seemed like there was a general consensus amongst a lot of fans that they thought David Bell would be out. Jack, it didn't make any sense to me. What'd you see? Nah, you've got a guy that we've seen tape of David Bell versus starting level corners. We've seen tape of Austin Watkins versus corners that are now also on practice squads. And that's kind of the key thing that people need to translate that of just because you destroy a practice squad corner doesn't naturally mean you can destroy Jalen Ramsey, Jair Alexander and the guys that that's what you're going to need to go up against turn week one of the season if you were playing. Special teams is a massive impact. And as well, David Bell might not have got much opportunity last year, but he provided the average return in terms of yards, targets, etc., receptions for a third-round pick at wide receiver. Not every third-round pick is Amron St. Brown. Um, and as well, he was getting open at incredible rate, higher than Chris Olave, higher than Drake London, great against man coverage, but he's also not going to get targeted. You are the fourth wide receiver on the depth chart last year. Asking somebody who's the fourth guy, potentially the fourth target for Deshaun Watson going and Brissett going through Rees, not going to get that much opportunity. It's just life, perfectly fine. Let him continue battling out. But we have a loaded wide receiver room. I asked people the other day this yeah. question. When was the last time we had a wide receiver three that was as good as Marquise Goodwin as our wide receiver four? I'll hang up the phone and listen because I honestly don't know that answer. I think we're talking late 2000s. Jordan. I'm going to the Joe Juravicious. Jordan. Well, he was wide receiver one. No time. I think Joe Juravicious would be, probably be the answer. We're going back into the Joe Juravicious years. He was your third down slot inside guy. Now, I think that's one thing the Browns haven't had over the years, right? They Andrew Hawkins was obviously brought in to be a slot. But a lot of times when we were talking about Watkins, Jack, I mean, you're talking about he's fighting for reps from Cooper, from DPJ, from Tillman. I, always, I, I said a few times to people, who are you taking snaps away from to give them to Austin Watkins? Because – David Bell seemed like the mo most logical sense because he's going to back up Elijah Moore in the slot. And at the end of the day, Marquise Goodwin's actually going to be mainly an outside guy. And if they're going to run him from the slot, let's be honest, he's running a vertical or a deep seam from the slot anyway. So Austin Watkins making it over David Bell, you really had no backup in the slot for Elijah Moore for underneath routes and your short and intermediate routes. Yeah, and it's no surprise there. The NFL agrees he's – they don't view him as someone on the 53. Um, and that was the strongest point. I think 2.7% of players that waived got claimed um, or had a claim in on them. That just shows the level of little. Um, yeah. The league worries. And that honestly, I think the room that we probably have to spend the least amount of time on is tight end. I mean, it was Harrison, Bryant, David, Njoku, Jordan Akins. I, those three guys, the only thing that was a question mark was Harrison Bryan's health, and he returned to practice the day after the cut. So as I think the word of the year you've used, Jack, is magic. Magic. One thing I would like to have seen them do is try to get better at that practice squad tight end. Um, I would have loved them to go after Zach Koontz um, or 
cunts, if you want to pronounce it in a different way, um, who signed to the Jets practice squad. He had like a 10 out of 10 Raz score. Um, he's older, but that's the sort of talent that I'd love to bring in. Um, but hey, that's it. Move on. It's all good. The offensive line. So surprise here was Michael Dunn was cut. I thought he'd make the roster. We've only got two guards on the actual roster at the moment. You have Hudson who can cover and White who can cover, but they're down to nine. They usually have 10 um, and Dunn is now on the practice squad. So it's one that I could see him being elevated through the season. There is this magical confusion around practice squad protection. It's from Tuesday until the end of the week. You can't sign a guy to the practice squad and they're forever safe. The, pra the practice squad protection is just half a week. So um, not one that they can just lock these guys in forever. Gotcha. Yeah, I think the shock for me was obviously when, when Wheatley got traded for Pierre Strong, I think that basically told you they were going to keep Hudson. Because my initial one, I thought Hudson was finally going to get squeezed out and they were going to try to aim for him in the practice squad. Because I just couldn't see an NFL team saying, yeah, I'm going to put that guy on my active 53, right? He just – he's not he's not acclimating to the offensive tackle position maybe as fast as they had hoped. But then all of a sudden you see they trade Tyrone Wheatley. He goes out. Now Hudson comes in as your offensive tackle four. But the interior O-line, I, I guess I wasn't as shocked because I looked at Dunn at being 28, and I'm like, if there's a guy they're going to move off on, it's going to be Dunn. I wasn't sure if they liked Wes Martin. You know, obviously he was a veteran that had worked with Callahan before. You know, I wasn't sure if they'd just go with a younger option. But keeping Teller, Batonio, and then the three centers on top of the four tackles, I wouldn't be shocked if by September 10th there's another move made that offensive line room. Yeah, so certainly could be one to keep an eye on. Uh, maybe Dennis Kelly, the Eagles swing tackle that got released. Um He's one that I would certainly keep an eye on. I'd love to see him in Cleveland. That'd be a great pickup. And yeah, he had a lot of backup experience. He actually was the tackle. God. Practice squad. I was going to say, he was the tackle that backed up Taylor Lewan in Tennessee. So he's got a lot of reps in terms of starting behind on, at that left tackle position. So I love the Alex Leatherwood move. I think there is maximum upside here. I didn't want to claim him on waivers because I had no interest in that. I think it was 6.25 million of guarantees over the next two years. But we've moved past. We, we we didn't need to pick that up. But he's signed to the practice squad. And it's one that in two weeks' time, three weeks' time, if he's not doing it, he's gone. And they're not going to mess around and keep him there. But you want to gamble on former first-round picks. And he isn't your typical first-round pick. He's a Raiders first-round pick. So it means he's a third-round pick in player talent. But... It's one that I happily bring him in, see what he's got for another few weeks. And if he turns out to be a, a swing guard, phenomenal. If he turns out to be nothing, who cares? It's a nice gamble. Um, and the other one on the O-line is done that we've already mentioned. Paul, do you have anything you want to add on the offensive line before I have, give my opinion on Alex Leatherwood? No, but I was doing my research yesterday. I'm really happy to have a first-round pick. As Jack said, complete gamble. Uh, I just can't remember him in 2021 as a first-round pick for the Raiders. Um, I don't know if the – what did the Browns have, 2021 picks? Nothing, did we? It was the year after Jed Wills. Didn't we trade out? Is that Newsom? Uh, we had uh, JOK, I think. No. Was pick. He was um, the second-rounder. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, we had no – 
Uh, yeah, did we not or no? It's got to be Greg Newsom. Was that Newsom's year where we were at the end of the yeah. draft? Yeah, that's right, because we made the playoffs in 2020. So the, here's the thing with Leatherwood, right? So he was obviously starting opposite of Jed Wills for a few years at Alabama. And the Brown site actually has him listed as a tackle, which I find to be very unique. This is a guy that had a lot of upside. He had some technical ability. But everything you heard out here in Chicago, you know, because he was cut after his first year. He made it one season with the Raiders, and he successfully had three weeks where his pass blocking grade was A, a zero, which was always reserved for only Browns quarterbacks in the past, and two other weeks, sub-20, one of them being a single digit. In Chicago, people had the same hype about this guy. He was going to come in. They were going to resurrect. They were going to get some talent out of him. He's lazy. He's unmotivated. Listen, maybe Bill Callahan can you know punch him in the testicles and get him going. I don't know. This guy, I would just – your expectations need to be zero for him because he just – he doesn't have the drive, the motor, and the, the give-a-damn to be an NFL player at this point. I mean, yes, was he talented? People can send me all the SEC stats about him blocking up against the Alabama A&M tackles. The fact is, is in the NFL, the guy hasn't done it. And at the tackle position, he hasn't done it at the guard position. And if you can't make the Bears O-line, you stink. So that should tell you all you need to know about Alex Leatherwood. And it's one that, at the end of the day, if we had Derek Kelly, who was the the other guy battling Tyrone Wheatley, he's not going to amount to anything either. And to be fair, Ian makes a point there that is well-founded. Not many of these guys on the practice squad ever become anything other than practice squad players. And we look back the last few years, Michael Dunn has gone up, but the NFL's now said he's not worthy of a 53. And you've seen... Charlie Hewlett came through there. AJ Green came through there. That's pretty much about it that I can think of. You might get the old guy that plays 10 snaps in a season of offensive or defensive football, but that's pretty much it. Um, so take some gambles, see what happens. If we go to the defensive line, we're keeping 10. Alex Wright is actually healthy, which is interesting. Mo Hurst is back. So five on the D-line side. yep. Good point on Alex, right? He might not be healthy for week one, but he's not injured enough that he's out the first four weeks. Yeah, that may be one where they try to bring him back week two or week three. If he plays week one against the Bengals, that's one thing. But this may be a move where they say, you know what? He's going to be out for maybe two, three more weeks. We hope to have him back. Maybe after that short week, because we go, obviously, Bengals-Steelers with a Sunday-Thursday, and then he's back for week three. That would be my best guess at this point. Yeah, he was on the bike today in uh, training or yesterday. So he's, he's trending in the positive direction. Um, and then in terms of the practice squad, some nice moves here. Um, Isaiah Thomas is back. I weren't sure if he would be someone that would go, actually, I want to go to another team with less talent um, at the edge spot, which would make sense. It wasn't one that I, th- I thought teams would be queuing up to grab him, but that's there. Um, Kamara who's shown nice inside-outside flexibility. Lonnie Phelps was a bit of a surprise over Jeremiah Martin because Martin showed more flashes in the preseason. And then Tristan Hill, they effectively guaranteed him a practice squad at minimum with his deal. He had 300000 of guarantee in there, and that just transfers to effectively pay his practice squad's salary for the entire year. So a really, really talented group there. When you're talking about Thomas and Hill being there those were guys that were 
would have each got meaningful snaps. I know Thomas did. If Tristan Hill was on the roster last year, he'd have got meaningful snaps. So it's nice that we're now talking about six deep at edge and six deep at DT. It's it's, it's a change from the past where uh, we had one, maybe two DTs. <laughs> Jack, I've said it for three years going. You need young depth talent on the defensive line. You need, You have to have it. With the way this NFL is, with these up-tempo off offenses, we are, you know, Blake even talked about it, how we're talking now where teams are running as many pass plays as they used to run offensive plays in an entire game before. The tempo of the NFL has picked up. And when you look at these teams, you know, the Giants kind of started it back in their heyday, bringing these wave after wave, four, five, six guys deep. You know, so it's third down, and they've got a fresh pass rusher. And then, oh, it's first down. They got another fresh pass rusher, like, that's what you're trying to build. That's where you can impact the game. That's where, you know, we talked about whether it was, you know, Greg Williams or we talked about, you know, Joe Woods. Doesn't matter from the defensive coordinator. You need fresh bodies on the D-line. Yeah, and it's mad when you look at what we had a year ago to what we had today. Um, anything on the D-line, um, Paul, before we jump to linebackers? No, all good. So, linebackers... We had seven on the roster. Jordan Kunisic um, has gone to uh, IR. He's expected to be four to six weeks. So it's one that you might see him just after the bye week. And it'll be interesting when we get to that point, who they then go out and cut. Um, it could be Philly, um, It could be Fields. It could be one where they've not seen enough from Diabate. So just one to keep an eye on. There is a full-on... Um, battle and challenge going on there and Charlie Thomas to the practice squad that is a guy that I'll be interested to see next year continues developing special teams he he, he could have a role um, especially if it is fields they move on from he could potentially have a future at will um, it's what many people have penciled him in for yeah I think looking at this linebacker position and you know Paul and I talked about it with Blake Williams pretty much at depth about how the Browns and Jack, I don't remember if you caught the point where he had basically said that Jim Schwartz's defense was built off of his time with Greg Williams. Right. So, you know, we were able to get some insight on what they prototypically see as your Mike, what they see as your Sam, what they see as your will. So you can see the Browns kind of defining these roles for these guys. And then all of a sudden you bring in a little bit of like, you know, a Diabate where this is a guy, he's six, four, he's bigger. He kind of fits more that Isaiah Simmons mold where if you need to plug him in there on the weak side and have him cover up a tight end, you know, trying to match up coverages, they have more options. It's been kind of incredible to see how the Browns have taken a bunch of Jimmys and Joes at the linebacker position and just gotten a ton of productivity from them in the past. I mean, it's really a testament to the coaching and the organizational structure that we can bring in a guy like Jordan Kunazic or a guy like Tony Fields, you know, JOK, who had so many question marks in the draft about what he was going to play. They can play free, they can play loose, and they can just attack the ball because the play off of that defensive line now where we have, you know, at least NFL caliber defensive tackles, the linebackers now should be able to play more in space. They should be able to shoot the gaps. And I would expect to see them a little bit more involved in the run game this year just because I think they're going to have more clear pass to the ball carrier. Yeah, I think as long as we have Jason Tarver as the linebacker coach, I will feel comfortable with the linebacker room. Um, and if he left, I might not feel the same way, but th they have done wonders there and um, produced really league average production on no money at all. 
Um, and long may that continue. That might not spell good for JOK in two years' time if they continue to pay nothing to the position because he won't be in Cleveland um, because he's not going to take nothing. Corner. Had anyone ever heard of Khalif Halisi, the UDFA that was guaranteed only 100000 at cornerback before the Browns claimed him? I will hold my hands up. It sounded more like someone from Game of Thrones than the NFL. That is a pretty, uh, and it's a Khalif Halasi, by the way. And the first time I had ever heard of him was when he shot into the backfield and threw Demetric Felton for about a five-yard loss. And I was like, I saw the number 12, and I was like, oh, all right. Like, he's throwing a little bit of 12 action out there. And then I forgot he existed three plays after that until the Browns claimed him. So, yeah, he, he's but, a new. I was going to say, Jack, he took the spot of Paul's guy. Number 38, A.J. Green, we've arrived at the cornerback room. Paul, how does it make you feel with UDFA, A.J. Green being replaced by UDFA, Kala Halasi? Ian, you got to stand in life. Sometimes you got to take one step back to go three steps forward. Um, what we've got is A.J. Green, undrafted free agent, left. We've now been replaced with three undrafted free agents with the Browns which I think is a record since, what, 2018, Jack, do you reckon? I don't know if we even had that in the Sashi or Dorsey era. Um, so, yeah, I think we're going back some I time. feel like we had to have had. Because our, our three are Diabate, Halasi, who technically isn't one of our UDFAs, and D'Anthony Bell, is he the third one? No, uh, so, uh, Hickman. Oh, Hick- oh we, that's right. We took three UDFAs. Because Anthony Bell, was he drafted or was he a UDFA from a previous year? Anthony <laughs> Bell was a UDFA from last year. So three just in one year, three added to the roster. It's pretty incredible. for, Especially if this was the first year of Sashi, you wouldn't be surprised because the roster's trash and you're looking for guys everywhere. The fact that this is this roster is pretty incredible to me because you would naturally assume that each year of this regime going on the less chance for UDFA to make it whereas we've actually gone from zero UDFAs because AJ Green made the practice squad and then got a chance he didn't actually make the 53 then we had nobody then we had DeAnthony Bell and now we've got um three it's uh it's mad that is wild AJ Green so he was due 900,000 in guarantees um it was one point Four million, I want to say overall on the contract might be one point five. Um, I'll check when I get a second, but six hundred thousand of that will move to a new team or offset any practice squad money. So he's been waived now, and it the reason why he can't sign to a practice squad currently at time of recording is he is still going through the waiver process. If he is unclaimed, he can then choose which practice squad he signs to. Sounds like they will make a move and re-sign him if that is the case, that he doesn't go anywhere else. And if he signs to another team's roster, that 600,000 guarantees will pass to them. If he signs to a practice squad, any t- basically 300,000 is then what covers his practice squad salary for the year. Anytime he's elevated, that would eat into that um, other 300,000 of guarantees. So it's about half a season of elevation and then he, he wouldn't cost the Browns anything additional. Um, so, yeah, it's one that I hope for his sake he get lands on a 53 and gets a shot there. 
But if not, that would be mad to have someone that talented on your practice squad. Yeah, yeah. based on what the looks of it are, there was only one cornerback spot up for grabs. Because the other five were pretty much shoo-ins. You kind of knew Ward, Newsome, Mitchell, Ford, and Emerson. So realistically, Green was in a battle for one spot with all of the challengers. Uh, Jack, here's a question for you, if you know the answer. Someone like Cade York, okay, I fully understand he doesn't want to get back with his ex-wife. I, that makes sense. A new start. But these players... Once they've cleared waivers, I thought, I thought then that player, um, no, because it's not waivers. That's why I'm thinking like with the waivers, the highest waiver gets the chance of getting that player. Yeah. So the so, the Bears have to say no. To, uh, so only for not for practice squad, just for the fifty three, it goes down the list. So if the Bears said yes to a player, they automatically get them because they have the first waiver claim. It doesn't reset, and you don't move to the bottom like you would in, say, a fantasy football league. It's just, if the Bears wanted to claim 20 players that got waived, all of them joined the Bears. And it's as... They have to take all them contracts they've already signed up to and put them onto those. Yeah. And now, so... Once it's gone past that, that means Cade York can take any money from any club and his agent is negotiating. So someone like Watkins, who went through waivers... He then has the option of everyone just chucking offers at him. It's all the same offer. So if a player has less than two years, it's the same practice squad salary. So it's more where do they want to go that they think they might have a future. Um, if you've done more than two years, there's about $4,000 a week that teams can outbid each other with. So it's a tiny amount at, at the grand scheme of four $4,000 a week isn't going to change the world for some vested veteran. It's more... What are they looking for when landing on a practice squad? Cool. So, left to the last eight minutes, what else do you want to discuss? Lorenzo Burns is on the practice squad. I think if they sign AJ Green, they would probably then let him go. I don't think it's one where they would keep both. Safeties, they kept all five. And 11 DBs, a lot higher than we normally see in the past. So that could be one where they come back around and one of these guys, maybe Hickman at the end of the roster, doesn't stay forever. He might get waived and then re-signed to the practice squad, just to keep in mind. They got Tanner McAllister on the practice squad, who wasn't in the same ballpark as DeAnthony Bell or Hickman, but has shown some nice play in preseason. So keen to see what he does. Um, any comment on safeties there before? Yeah, I think the one I have is on Hickman, you know, because obviously I watched I watched Tanner McAllister, I watched Ronnie Hickman, Ohio State, Austin, right? Didn't miss the game. Hickman was kind of a, a, a Swiss Army knife for the Buckeyes defense. And I always looked at him and I said, you know, this is a guy that's a good player, but he doesn't do one thing very well. And it actually kind of made me a little bit now go back and reconsider, like, you know, if the Buckeyes had used Hickman solely in kind of that free safety type of role, what we would he have seen? Because this was a guy that was asked to play close to the line of scrimmage. You know, Tanner McAllister came over in the transfer proto, uh, portal for that last season struggled a little bit in coverage so it was unique to see both of these guys stick around because you know coming out of college I just wondered what their fit was going to be in an NFL defense and both of them proved me wrong so hats off to them that's awesome the more Buckeyes the better you know especially I think both of them combined equal Dewan Jones so it's one of those things where I think the Browns are going to invest in that secondary 
Um, and mainly, I think D'Anthony Bell needs to just be a stud on special teams because I think all the guys we've talked about is just getting out of the Ross and the practice squad. They're who they're who he, they're gunning at him. He's the guy whose roster spot is likely going to need the most because he doesn't start performing on special teams. I think he'll be quickly replaced by somebody that will. Bubba Ventrone absolutely adores um, Delphi Bell. There was an interview he did with Joe Hayden for the Browns internal. That he, that was the one player he just went off with absolute praise, how much he loves him. So he's obviously made an impression on um, Bubba. I think we'll see probably Ronnie Hickman will be inactive for the majority of the season. That's perfectly fine. Probably this new corner will be inactive. No issues there. That's one that they can just roll with. And because at the end of the day, they're not needed. If DeAnthony Bell's out there playing all the time on specials, you're not going to use Hickman unless someone gets injured. So that's fine. One thing that shocked me was a kicker on the practice squad. I know practice squads are now bigger and up to 16, which allows some more flexibility. And I'm shocked how many kickers we've actually seen around the league signed. Um, A lot of teams seem to have them. I need to go through and properly look at it. But it just seems like a waste to me. If I'm going to be honest, why do you need one, a kicker on the practice squad? It's bad enough having one on the 53. Um, but I would just argue, and especially, I think someone tweeted me and said he's got a 64% field goal rate in college, which just seems bizarrely low. I'm, I'm praying that that's wrong. Apparently, he's got a massive leg, though. Uh, but unless you think Hopkins is going to be injured regularly or you're going to cut him, in which case, why have you signed him? Um, you could use that practice squad spot for a running back or something that you actually need. Well, do remember Dustin Hopkins lost the kicking battle in the Chargers. So you do have sloppy seconds from uh, the Chargers who aren't notoriously known for having a vibrant special team. So I think that's kind of one of the things is you bring a guy in. I wouldn't be shocked, Jack. I mean, listen, I'm, I couldn't tell you if I was standing next to Lucas Haversick at Target, I wouldn't know him from the man on the moon. I can't say I even saw him ever kick in Arizona. He's probably going to be there for a couple of weeks, maybe at best to see if Hopkins can acclimate. And then once, if he kind of falls into a groove, I think you're right. I think he'll be out. But realistically from the specials, I mean, obviously Boracquez and Hewlett were easy. The kicker is one thing. But, Jack, I have a question for you. Maybe you can answer this. You know, in preps of the show, I was reviewing a lot of the different uh, Browns and the rosters and all that stuff. Under the reserved injured, Anthony Schwartz, did the team bring him back on the IR? Yeah, so I've not seen an official announcement of any of these players that cleared waivers re-signing on IR yet. Um, But naturally, based on my reading of the rules, he should revert to the Browns because he was waived injured. Um, and then I think as soon as he would come back, I would expect a agreement that, and it might, he might just do a couple of weeks first, but some agreement that injury, um, what's it called? Injury settlement. And then he's out there able to sign. So it could be one where he goes, it's effectively the team and the agent are negotiating and go, look, he's going to be out for four weeks. The team's going, no, it's going to be two. And then they go, hey, three in the middle. You pay us three weeks of being on IR money, and then he'll leave. And that way, he can go out and continue. He could just say, no, I'm going to stay on IR for the year, and I'm going to get paid. So it's one that there is a balancing act for that. If he's going to walk away from the NFL, he may as well stay on IR for the year. Um, 
So it, it's some gymnastics in that because for some players, especially young players, it's more important to get out there and have an opportunity to make another team and continue your career than just go, no, I'll stay on IR, I'm fine, thanks. There it is. That makes the sense. Because the other guys on there were the reserve not the reserve non-football injury, which was Michael Woods, who was injured away from the facility. And then the Drew Forbes reserve non-football illness, which is unique. So I think until they really give you clarity on that, it sounds like those guys are still around. And you never know. Obviously, there'll be corresponding moves, I'm sure, in the future to take care of them. Yeah, you don't have to pay them while they're on the NFI list. So um, I think the teams can pay them, but they don't have to. Um, so it's one that there's no harm in keeping them around. Well, it, it is definitely – I don't think there was that many surprises, I think, if we're being honest, in terms of what this 53-man roster shake, you know, shook down to be. So it's one of those things where, who knows, there could be a couple more moves made between now and September 10th. We'll have to find out. I'd say things to keep an eye on. On Tuesday, we could see a Nick Chubb extension. They might sign Ooh. an offensive lineman. It could be Nick, uh, Michael Dunn coming up, but it could be Dennis Kelly from the Eagles. And they could sign a running back. I still think that's a point of weakness. This is a team with who had the second highest paid, the highest paid running back two, both of the last two years. So they have no fear of investing in the position. But now they've suddenly gone cheap. So that's just something to keep an eye on that maybe playoff Lenny. You sign playoff Lenny, you pay him two and a half mil, you'll guarantee January football. Or maybe they're going to bring Kareem Hunt. Could be Kareem Hunt. Could be. But that's it, folks. Hope you had a great day. Hope you enjoyed. Jack, do you, do you real quick want to cover the Jed Wills restructure? Okay, all they've done is just kick some money into next year. It's all about rolling money over. It doesn't change anything. Interestingly, Chubb, Cooper, Teller, not been restructured. Keep an eye on potentially Denzel Ward next. Probably the most logical name. It's guaranteed money, so the injuries don't matter because you're paying them anyway. So keep that can a bit more. But uh, no.